uh, gardening program and welcome and I've not got all the buttons right on this this morning oops ah that's a bit better um yes so Stephen Ryan Dixonia Rare Plants and Facebook our YouTube channel The Horticulturalists um and it's the 3CR gardening program so this morning we've got uh, a, a panel of lovely people who I'm very fond of and I've known for many many years Penny Woodward, uh, of herb and garlic fame. How are you this morning, Penny? Um, <clears throat> I'm well. Can you add tomatoes to that? Oh, and tomatoes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, actually, what's tomatoes without garlic? And, <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yes. And herbs. And yes, herbs. and herbs, yes. It's lovely uh, to be here again. All right. Well, it's very nice to see you this morning, and, and what a brisk morning it has it been. It was very chilly down yeah. our way. It must yeah. have been colder oh, at Pures. Oh, yes. Although yes. I, on the drive up, I heard them say that it was minus five in Canberra, so that made me feel better. Oh, it would, it would, it would. <laughs> All right. Yes, well, everybody, there are people out there worse off than oneself, I guess. And Jane, Jane Tonkin from Tonkin's Bulbs. How are you this morning, Jane? I'm good, thank you, Stephen. How are you? I'm very good indeed, and it must have been chilly up at your way well, as well. about... Four or five degrees when I left home this morning, yeah, so yeah. that's okay. I love winter, yes. so um, yeah, I don't mind it as long as I don't actually have to hand weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, on the frosty mornings when you feel like your fingers are actually going to break off. Yes, yes, um, yes I can but, live without that. Yeah, fair yes. enough. Yeah, so there we go. Um, all right, well, welcome everybody. I hope everybody's awake and ready to go with the program. Um, we have uh, nobody out in the outside studio at the moment. I don't know where they've all got to this morning. Oh, Corinne uh, is going to look after it for me this morning. Fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, have we got anything happening in the world out there in horticulture? I've had no contact from anybody about any events coming up. Nothing going on that either of you uh, know anything about? No. No, no, no events. No. Um, I've just got back from Tasmania, actually. Oh, have you? Um, Lucky you. Yeah, been down there for what they call Agfest, which ah. is this massive agricultural show with lots of big boys' toys and brand oh, yes. new tractors that none of us could afford and things. Yeah. Um, but I've got a lot of customers down in Tasmania, oh. so um, I took a little boat trip with some plants on board, um, <laughs> and yes, they were all quarantine checked. Now, that, that, <laughs> that does raise an issue, because I know as a nursery person, I can't send things to Tasmania unless I've got um, proper... DPI accreditation. Yes, accreditations yep. and so forth. What is involved in getting an accreditation? Something I've never thought to do, and I don't know that I will, but... Um, well, it's um, contacting our biosecurity officers here in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of paperwork and things to fill out. Yeah, they come yeah, out, yeah. Um, do some initial testing and stuff because where we are at Calorama, we're in a PCN, so potato cyst nematode area, oh, and that's right. one of the things that Tasmania really doesn't want with their fabulous potato industry mm, down there. Fair enough. Um, and then each, like, because we do everything as a um, dormant bulb or bare-rooted perennial. So uh, we're accredited to send while things are dormant. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of chemicals and things which are a bit yucky that you have to dip everything in um, uh, yes. and send within a withholding period type of thing with a beautiful little yellow form that says that you've done everything okay. At the end of the day, it's not a lot of stress for me considering the amount of customers that I've got in Tasmania. Well, that's the thing, if it's worth your while. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it costs you something to become accredited? It, it does, and there's initial audit fees and things no. every year as well. But for us, 
only doing them as the dormant stock. It doesn't seem as expensive as some nursery potted oh, stocks. Well, yeah. um, so that might prevent you a little bit. I can't actually give you a ballpark yeah, figure on what matter. it costs It was you, just but... interesting to know how the system works because yeah. uh, I regularly get people who ring me from Western Australia and Tassie yeah. and they and I just say, look, I'm sorry, I can't send plants. And the poor things are starving for um, something different and unusual. They, they would just drool at your nursery. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear, look, I'm sorry, I just can't help myself <laughs> It's just one of those things I'm not going to do, um, but it's interesting to know how it all works. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, because we don't have anything much in the way of um, uh, announcements to make, uh, everybody's gone into recess for the winter, I guess. Um, um, look, I'm actually doing a couple of talks in the next 10 days, but oh, well, I, I, for, I don't have the details. Oh, <laughs> so, well, that's no help. Give me a Can bit people of time. Google the details? Oh, no, I haven't actually. No, I've, I've got them written in my diary and yeah. I... But it's a very it's a very strange time because mm. it's been so long since I've done talks. Oh, I went down yes. to Geelong and did one at the Geelong Organic Growers, who oh, are a fantastic right. group of people, and um, talked about garlic. And but that was the first I'd done for more than twelve months. So. Yeah, yeah. Most clubs and societies and things yeah. all went into recess. And uh, and, well, one yeah. of the ones I'm doing in a couple of weeks was an emergency one because they rang and said our person has cancelled and yeah. the person before cancelled mm. as well and you know would you do it because I'm doing one for them later in the year ah. this is for Hurstbridge but um, I, I just haven't got the date written it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter I suppose so yeah. it is starting to yeah, happen starting. which is good mm. which well is I know our local are. Hort Society at Mount Macedon um, is going to have its first in-face meeting in June. It's exciting. Uh, well, it is. I, I'd forgotten how much it was part of my regular routine mm. in my life to... You've got to get back to that routine. Yes, going, going to regular meetings. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, you just didn't think much about. You know, first Tuesday night of the month, it's off to Hort Society meeting, all that sort of thing. And I've been doing since I was 10 years old, for God's sake. Um, so it has taken a big chunk out of our lives. And so, yes, we're attempting to get our life back into order at our club, which is, which is good. Yeah. And uh, so hopefully we'll be back to full contingent shortly. At the moment, our secretary said that we have to all um, uh, send in an email to say we're going to be there so that they've got a record of how many people so that we can limit the number of people who come into the hall because I think we've got a limit of 40 or 50 people or something like that. So we have to be a bit careful that we don't go over those limits. But, at, you know, 40 or 50 people at a winter meeting is not bad for us anyway, so it's probably going to mm. be all right. And hopefully those numbers will get better as the year goes on. Well, you'd hope so. I mean, we do have a fairly high membership, although not everybody's a regular attendee, but um, we regularly get 80 or more at at That's fantastic. meetings yeah. during the warmer months of the year when people feel the need to go out. So, um, yes, yeah, so it'd be nice if we could get but back I, to that level again. I think there's going to be hesitancy still from people who like me, don't necessarily want to go out. I, you know, <laughs> no. there are some things that I find it really hard to go Yeah, into. well, there's so that side of it. And we're of just course, gradually getting yeah. used to it again. Yeah, and so. of course the dynamic of most clubs is slightly the older dynamic mm. as well. So, mm. you know, a lot of those people, unless they're fully vaccinated, are going to be a little hesitant anyway. So, yeah. you know, all those things come into it. So... Um, Anyhow, it's just what it is. Now, uh, I might as well put it, give out all the numbers and what have you if anybody wants to get in touch with us. Um, the phone-in number, if you want to ring and have a chat to us, which would be lovely, uh, is 94190155. 
So that's 94190155. So you can ring in any time from now on and we'd be really happy to um, to take your calls. If you'd prefer to text in, you can use 0488 809 So that's 0488 809 And if you want to send us an email, we're getting so technical. We're a bit technical. Yeah. It doesn't mean to say we know how to do that. Yeah, when it comes through. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's all lowercase and it's gardening at three, as in the letter, uh, the number three, cr.org.au. So that's gardening at three cr.org.au. So you could send us an email as well. And uh, those emails can come in at any time during the week. And then hopefully whoever's in here on that week can download the emails (laughs) from during the week and have the questions in front of us to answer as we go along. So there we go. So do ring in. We'd love to hear from you. And um, if you're uh, you know, still in bed, that's fine. We don't mind. Um, we won't if, know. We won't know. Well, you could tell <laughs> Unless us. Unless you tell us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that we need to know. Um, but uh, hopefully it's going to be a day where we're all going to want to get out into the garden as the day goes on and have some fun with our plants mm. because... When you think about it, um, we're heading towards the end of autumn. It's sort of autumn slash early winter. Uh, Lots of things are dormant now. Um, So I think now is actually, unless you're in a seriously cold area, now is actually a great time to get some planting done, particularly (laughs) of things like deciduous shrubs and trees, um, perennials, all sorts of things that you could put in now. The ground has got a bit of moisture in it. It's got a little bit of warmth in it. Things will get established before the winter sets in. And come spring, hopefully things will go nuts. So now is a good time to be thinking of what to put in, especially if you've already prepared your ground and you're ready to go. That would be very organised. Yeah, it would be very (laughs) organised. And I have to say it's one of those things I have to regularly remind clients because very few of us are gardening in a soil where you can just whack whack something in the ground. You know, there needs to be soil preparation. And so I spend a lot of time explaining to... um, to clients, you know, what they should do with their heavy clay soils in the western suburbs of Melbourne or whatever if they really want to have things grow well. Um, and um, so, yes, yeah, so soil preparation, if you've not got that ready for your planting, particularly if you're major trees and things, if you're going to plant an orchard, don't plant it in unprepared ground. Get the ground sort of mm-hmm. in good tilth, get some manure and some compost. And um, if you're in a really heavy clay soil sort of area, perhaps some good fine gravel or coarse sand or mm-hmm. something like that, that you can mix through your soil and open it up a bit uh, and your trees will thank you and they'll grow so much faster afterwards. And better fruit. And better fruit, exactly. All right, well, while we're waiting for calls to come through, I note that both of you have brought little boxes of goodies along with you, uh, which is fantastic because we've got all sorts of things we can then talk about. Um, we might start with Penny. I see some red things in front of you. <laughs> that I'm, wasn't I'm what she was going to start No, with. I'm going to oh. start with something else. Oh, all right. Well, the red things can wait Steve, till later. Yeah. Stephen's used to me doing my own thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I want to talk about this. They've, they're all looking a bit droopy because they've been in the car overnight. It's too dark in the mornings to go out and pick We things. can't see people in bed. They can't see so our I'll, specimens yeah, either. I, I <laughs> they look perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is perennial coriander. So it's Erygium fetidum. Yeah. And these are the flowers. This is the flower. This is which it's a spiky thing with tiny little green buds of flowers. So mm. it's really if I Yeah, so it's a sea holly thing. So it's, it's all yeah, it's, it's in not the same, related to it's the, not actually but it tastes just like coriander. 
but for it, those who hate coriander, don't I'd, plant this. Well, I know, but it's also it's really good because it's perennial. Yeah, um, and it's, which is a good idea. It smells but, beautiful, but it is really frost tender. So oh. if you're going to grow it, you need to put it in a pot. Hand it back, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you we both come to, from areas where yeah, we. I know. No, but I like but the idea of a pot. Put Sorry. it in a pot in a in a microclimate where yeah. it you know you can control how much water it's getting and 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 yeah. make sure it gets a bit of warmth. So. Yeah. Um, and it's it's sort of attractive in a weird sort of way as well, but you don't yeah, the, actually the flowers actually look flowers. like a small originum. Yeah, um, but they're green. Yeah, There's no colour green. to them at all. So, but it's um, if you if you love coriander and you mm. want coriander all year round and you don't want to worry about it going to seed all the time, so Which that's it does. what the leaves look like. Um, yeah, it's a it's a terrific plant to experiment with. So, what was the so name again, Penny? It is known as Thai coriander, longleaf coriander, perennial coriander, and it's Erygium fetidum. Ah, which so means smelly. Smelly. That's right, <laughs> and not good smelly. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, fetidum. That's, yes, that's it's not cori- a it's good a, word. Yeah, it's a. That's what coriander is. It has a pretty unusual smell. My daughter mm. can't eat it. Yeah, lots of people. Some can't. people just can't tolerate the. Mm flavour and the smell of it at all, but I, I love I, it. I believe some uh, the people who don't it's like genetic. Horror, yeah, it's a genetic thing and yep. that they actually taste something really soap. foul with it. Soap so. is what they taste, apparently. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. so there you go. So, I'm glad I don't have that issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to try something a bit different, mm. I, I actually wouldn't buy it till spring. Yeah. And there's a really good mail order um, herb place called Mudbrick cottage ah i was going to say where would one and they they sell herbs and send them all over australia so they're it's well worth looking up what they've got they've got one of the best ranges of herbs in australia so um that's where i got this from i had this early in the whole covid lockdown thing i just was feeling really miserable and i thought (laughs) buy plants buy plants yes (laughs) i like the attitude So I went, I got on the mud brick because I've, I've lost quite a few herbs that I've had for years because mm. of various things. My garden's got a bit away from me and I wanted to get back to it and I, I bought too many herbs. Um, but I've can, had so can much, you actually have too yeah, many? Yeah, you can. But yeah. I've had so much fun finding places for them in the garden and oh, putting them fantastic. into the garden and this one has done really well. I haven't grown this for nearly 20 years so ah. I'm really pleased to have it back again and because well, it's, it's good a, to know it's somebody's out there growing it in the warmer. Because you're not going to grow, buy it in a in a little square pot at, you, um, look, at the might, chain stores. You and might, stuff necessarily. but you don't get the instructions of what to do with it. Whereas Mudbrick has really good instructions on their site of how, how it grows and where it grows. And all oh, there's a good thing. recommendation. So, yeah. So yes, yeah, so an so originium that's, that's a coriander flavoured plant, yes. which is really strange yeah. and different. So, so I'll talk about one red thing. And all right. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> over. So this is, um, I've replanted my tamarillo this uh-huh. year because tamarillos are tree tomatoes. They're in the, they're in the Solanaceae. They're mm. in the same family as tomatoes. I had a really beautiful orange tamarillo, um, but it, they die. Yeah, they don't last long, years. do they? Yeah. yeah, but they're beautiful, big, huge-leafed yeah. plants and um, they need shelter from the hottest sun. Mm. And they also don't like heavy frost. No, again, um, another thing we can't so, grow. <laughs> so sheltered, sheltered position, um, I grow it in a in a back corner, and I, it's a bit because of other things that are going growing madly. It's a bit um, out of the way. So I hadn't mm. checked it, and I went down there, and I suddenly saw these huge tamarillos. Oh wow! On it, and they're they bigger. are very they're big for tamarillo. Than they usually Great. are. 
Um, and it's it's nice to have a red for a change because mm. they do have a different flavour. The reds tend to be a bit more savoury and the orange-yellow ones tend to be a bit sweeter. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't um, realise that. And the other thing, um, which I will find out when I eat the first one because these are not quite right, is that some tamarillos have a, a little um, stone under the skin ah. so that you get this t- tiny little sort of granular mm. piece under the skin um, and... There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, so it's just part of the plant. It's part of the plant, but you really, if you if you eat your tamarillos by cutting them open and scooping out, mm. um, you don't you don't need to worry about it. But if you use the whole tamarillo to make sauces and stuff, you get these little stones ah. in there, and some of them are big enough to actually, if you bite on it unexpectedly, you can break a tooth. And I spend so much money on mine. There's no way I want to do that. <laughs> so if you if you want, I I actually eat them. I love them as yeah. a savoury um, thing. So I just eat them fresh. Um, but if you want to use them, you need to have. Um, if you want to use them to make sauces, you need to make sure they don't have these mm. stones under the skin. So yeah. uh, and there's no way of telling until push you the flesh through them. one of those um, potato. Yeah. Some like of them drums are some of they, them are sort yeah. of tiny. Then yeah, some so of them you're are still going to get through. So some I, of them. it will get some of it will get through. So I've actually I've, <laughs> I was checking a couple of things about tamarillo before I came in, and I remembered I'd written an article all about it for Organic Garden about ten years ago. <laughs> so if you want to find out more about it, um, you can just Google it on the Organic Gardener website. Oh, so it'd be is, in the website. Yeah, yeah organicgardener.com.au and just put in Tamarillo. Ah, right. And oh, you'll well, find, it's worth knowing because I had no idea that more, was the case. more info mm-hmm. about it. But So most of them don't have this pit mm. under the skin and I think they're trying really hard to sort of breed them out. Yeah. But um, it, you do need to, if you... If a friend has one and you think, oh, I'll grow some from seed, make sure you eat the fruit first. And it's likely to come through if the one you're growing the seeds from Absolutely. has it. It's likely just yes. to come through in the progeny yes. of that plant. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. if you've got a good one, yeah. then the seedlings are likely are to be fine. fine. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. So that's well yeah. worthwhile knowing. Yeah. So tamarillos, they're one of those They're one of those crops that were became really popular for a while there and you, you'd even see them in the greengrocers and stuff, but yeah. they seem to have disappeared. Well, I think people are not sure how to use them. Mm. So you need to taste them and you need to see whether you like them or not. Mm. And um, and I, I have a fabulous um, tamarillo chutney ah, right. recipe, yeah. which is really, really nice. But um, I, as I said, I just eat them fresh out yeah. of the skin because I like them. Yeah, yeah. well, so, that's the way I used to But I'm a savoury person, mm. not a sweet person. Mm, me so. too. You can yeah. throw sugar on them. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen that done as well. Is that why we needed all the teeth working? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, uh, dear. All right, now. Jane, yeah. you've got a box or no, oh, a, little a little basket. basket. Oh, a little I, feel ha- like, I feel like Red Riding Hood this yeah, morning. Yeah, how cute. Basket, basket, basket of gold. Basket of goodies. Um, winter's one of my favourite times of the year, as you are saying before, about um, planting some deciduous trees or those mm. deciduous perennials that now is the time to dig and divide and things. And one of the th- ones that I get the most questions about is why won't my peonies flower? Oh, yes. So I thought maybe I would bore our audience with um oh this is not a bore this is this is something that everybody needs to know about because it's one of those issues for gardeners let's see how we can try and fix some of um our fabulous gardeners out there that may not be in quite the right area for a peony Mm -hmm. um peonies come from uh the cool climate of china um northern america and through into northern europe and they're from those areas where they get a frosty cold winter yeah and it's that frost 
that cools the soil temperature down below four degrees so that it breaks the dormancy of the buds. Now, now the plant yeah. naturally needs that to be able to flourish. Now, we all know peonies from um, seeing them in our florist shops, these big flamboyant, oh, yeah. beautiful, sumptuous things. And there's no point having a peony plant if it doesn't flower. No, well, the foliage is nothing but well, it's, sort it's of Well, it's nice, but it's just green foliage um, in your gut. Jane, can yeah. I just ask yeah. a question? We're talking about herbaceous peonies. We are talking so about... not tree yeah. peonies. We're talking about herbaceous, herbaceous right now. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Penny, yeah, thank that's you. that's all right. Um, but then there's some other options that we can go to after that. But if you have a herbaceous peony planted in your garden now and it's never flowered, um, Jane's got a tip for you. So listen up. Okay. What you need to do is, first of all, treat yourself. So it's go and buy a two-litre tub of ice cream or you go and order your favourite green curry, which would be Penny and I because we're not sweet tooths. Eat all that and then you need to freeze a block of ice till it's solid in your container and then you go out to your peony plant, usually about July. Mm. So I'm giving you warning. There's lots of ice cream eating to be had. Um <laughs> Because July is our coldest month, as in our overnight temperatures and Mm. things. And then you place that solid block of ice where your peony plant is in the garden. Your neighbours look over the fence and laugh at you and think you're a little crazy. However... That would be normal. (laughs) (laughs) For most gardens, it probably is, yeah. Um, And hopefully the day temperature is cool enough that it takes quite some time for that block of ice to melt. Mm. And that will actually give your peony plant enough cold if you do it three or four times in July. I was going to say, you've got to do it more than once, obviously. So you have to be dedicated and it's well worth it. Um, And you let that just melt over it. And once it's melted, put another block, etc. So you can put a little reminder on your fridge that this is what you're supposed to do. Um, So A, treat yourself and then treat your peony plant. And the other thing with um, peonies is that they do require a lot of food. They are greedy plants, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah. and they like the smelly ones. And, of course, the smelly ones are Jane's favourites anyway, so it's easy for me to say. Mm. So any of the palletised sort of dynamic liftery ones are great, or blood and bone, depending on what preference you have. So a handful at least Mm. of that on top of your peony plant at the end of autumn, so you can go and do that today if you felt like it. Uh-huh. Um, and again, then in the first couple of weeks of August is a good time too. But they also require a quite alkaline, so we need to be some adding lime. some garden lime. Mm-hmm. Preferably um, a sort of garden lime that's been processed a little bit more than your dolomites, but dolomite will suffice will as well. Mm-hmm. It just takes a lot longer to break down and give it benefits. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, so that's my little tip. Anyone that has never flowered their peony um, in our suburbs or warmer spots, you're not allowed to buy any more herbaceous peonies until you've tried the ice trick and get one to flower. Now, will it work in the first season? If you've had one for years in the ground that has never flowered, is it going to be the miracle cure that will get it to flower the following spring? Sometimes it is. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, well, I've had people come into the, the flower show and say to me, Jane, I did the ice last year on that plant and it flowered. So ah. it does does so work. It can work. It can mm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, but it is a dedication. But mm. as gardeners, we're all dedicated to. Things, no, I'm not so. sure I'm that dedicated. Although oh, I can you, grow peonies where I am, and I don't exactly have to worry right. About well, you cold, get but. nice frosty winters. <laughs> yes. But however, the other the other thing is that some people get frost and they think, oh, I'll plant my peony where it's a bit more sheltered. 
No. You yeah, can yeah. now dig your peony and shift it to somewhere where it's getting exposed to those frosts, yeah. which you will love. Now, I heard another thing about herbaceous peonies, and you can tell me whether this is true or not. Um, I was told by a grower at some stage, too, that you've got to be careful you don't put your peonies too deep into the ground, that you need to plant them quite shallowly. Oh, yes. Have you heard this? Yeah, they're... Mm. Um, they're a little bit um, demanding, mm. I suppose, mm. like teenagers. Yes. Um, so they can be too deep, they won't flower, and too shallow, they won't flower. <laughs> oh, that's just making it even more difficult. That's another so, level again. So um, I'm, I'm quite happy for people to ring me. My phone number's on our website at tonkinsbulbs.com.au uh, if they need a little bit of assistance. But it's generally about five centimetres or an inch in the old fashion yeah. over the top. And it needs to be a yummy, composty mix that you can mix all that. I always say to people that peonies, whether they be tree or, or herbaceous mm. peonies, would do well in a vegetable garden where you're not using it for vegetables anymore because you've spent years preparing the ground and feeding it and looking after it. It's just the sort of habitat that a peony would love. Exactly. And, mm. and as you said at the start of the program, so even about preparing soils. Yeah. And peonies are one of those things. They they will reward you for the effort that you put in. Yeah. So and just remember, you get to eat ice cream. <laughs> Getting back to the I'm, ice cream. I don't eat ice cream. <laughs> no, well, no. As I said, before, you and I don't have a sweet tooth, so I'm it's sorry, we'll it's have green ba- basically yes. we go and get a green curry or a laksa or something. Yeah, but you just need then, a big block. A of big ice. block of ice yeah. so to how then. Big, yeah. How big? Um, well, usually I say two liter container. Be because the amount of ice that is solid block that you're getting takes longer to melt, melt. Yep. and cool that soil yep. temperature yep. down. Yep. So, but having said that, as Penny and um, Stephen have both mentioned, there is some other alternatives, and they are the tree peony. Yeah, which, which don't need it chill. Yes, which don't need it as cold. So if you're desperate um, and you've tried all your herbaceous and they're not working, source out a tree peony from your local nursery, mm. or there's the new fad. Um, first done in the 1940s, I think, the Itoa. Yes. Um, Ito. And there's lots of those, which is a hybrid between your tree yeah. peony now, and your herbaceous. They tend not to need the same winter chill. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a bit more like the, the tree peony, yeah. um, but they are very, very floriferous too. So, Beautiful things. I yeah. saw them first when I was in France a few years ago in Normandy, and everybody seemed to be planting itos there. And mm. In fact, we went to a garden that was called the Peony Garden, uh, and they had rows of itos <laughs> in full bloom when we were there. Were you drooling? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, over that and the morning tea they made for us. But yep. <laughs> um, but um, they were just remarkable things. Mm. And and they make good cut flowers, the Itos. They do, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, they're well worthwhile. Um, so there's something else that you, you can give a go yeah. as well. And they look physically more like a herbaceous peony anyway, don't they, the yep. Itos? They're not, they're not tree-like like the, the classical tree peony so much. You sometimes get a bit of woody structure at the bottom, but they're not. Not bushes. quite as, mm. yeah, over the winter your tree pennies look like they're, they're dead, basically. Mm. Um, but the Ito uh, are a little bit different, as Stephen's saying. Um, but it gives you it gives you options of having uh, these divine yummy things. Yeah, well, and they are. Look, they're one of the, the, the world's great flowers. Mm. And it's interesting with peonies, and I guess magnolias would be another one, there's a couple of groups of plants and it doesn't seem to matter how big the flowers get, they never get vulgar. Um, whereas, you know, a dahlia, I, was I think... Say, oh, but I didn't want to say, I was going to say, yeah, dahlias, the dinner plates, yeah, they yeah. don't do it for me. Yeah, well, they don't do it for me either. I can understand the the... 
the thing about growing them and growing them to perfection, I can see the, you know, flower show first prize thingy in people's minds. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But as a garden plant, dahlias, gladioli's get too big and gross. Um, uh, but somehow or another, a magnolia or a peony, I've got a Japanese tree peony in the garden, and without a word of a lie, it's got a flower the size of a terrine. It is just humongous, and it's this big, flouncy pink thing that isn't necessarily the way I'd normally go. And, in fact, it's one I bought from a certain grower in the Dandenongs that was meant to be something else. Um, it wasn't me, Stephen. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> um, and uh, it was meant to be... Uh, what was it meant to be? Uh, Chinese dragon, which is sort of a singly purpley thing. And this thing turned out to be a Japanese full double pink, which I've eventually ID'd. But it wasn't quite what I expected it to be. But I have to say I enjoy it every year when it comes into flower because it is just so over the top. Um, um, and yet, it, and it is so big, but it doesn't somehow or another fit the sort of vulgar category in the same way as some other flowers do when they're overbred. So I don't know. A good any peony is a good peony. Any peony is a good peony, <laughs> even if it's incorrectly labelled when you buy it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh dear. So, so there's some hints on peonies. I think yep. that's great. Okay. Mm. So we've got an event. Oh, we've got an event. Uh, Oh, yes, the Encouraging Women in Horticulture. Uh, They're hosting a sustainable forestry event. Uh, You can enjoy an afternoon on the peninsula with a glimpse behind the scenes of the chrysanthemum growers, uh, uh, Crisco flowers. Ah, I assume that's the name of the grower. I was going to say, what's a Crisco flower? Um, Followed by a floristry demonstration from uh, Rita uh, florist and founder of the Sustainable Floristry Network and we'll show you how to make a lovely arrangement for your home. The date is the 31st of May. The location is Crisco Flowers 695 Western Port Highway uh, Sky and the time is 10 to 4 so it's quite a, a, a long um, event um, and after t- afternoon tea is inclusive. Uh, if you register events at ewha.com.au and bookings and payments no later than the 23rd of May. So visit the website, Instagram or Facebook for full details, www.ewha.com.au. So if you're interested in that event for uh, women in horticulture, um, sounds like a fun day out. Sounds great. <clears throat> Might have to put a frock on. <laughs> Oh, um, where did that come from? Um, uh, Stephen, I think it actually said one to four, but um, that's oh, is it one? oh, it is one to four. Sorry, yeah. it is one to four. Okay, it's really my eyesight's my, not great. My, I mean, um, yeah. that's reasonably large, but I do need my eyes checked again. Um, so there you go. So another great event from that. And really they're a terrific organisation. Yeah, great organisation. Yeah. They do a yeah. lot for women and, and encourage them in, in in a part of the world that they should be perfectly comfortable in. I've never mm. understood why how horticulture became male-dominated, to be per- perfectly honest. There's, but it is. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it needn't be. And no. you two ladies are proof of the pudding, in fact. Uh, although you do like savoury things better, don't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't so, help myself. Oh, dear. So, um, Steve, ah, could yes, I mention this? Of course right? you this can, is... Penny. This is something you're very in-depth and, and involved uh, yes, with, so yes. why not so, indeed? Um, Organic Gardener, the new edition, is out. It was out last week. And um, look, it's really interesting having all the new people involved in gardening, how Mm. you have to sometimes um, write things slightly differently because you have to take into account. Because I think one of the things Organic Gardener does really well is that it stretches you as far as gardening goes. It's always introducing new things and new ideas. Which is fantastic. But we've also had to go back now and 
do the basics again. So um, we have a we have a um, an article um, by Leonie who writes from Queensland. She's um, done planning of Edgy Patch, so it's oh, a really yeah. good way, good article on how to do, set up a simple veggie patch. We've got um, article about spinach um, and and a really good one on quince. Uh, I I love quince quince and they're such beautiful trees and they're beautiful in flower. Yeah, if the cockatoos would leave mine alone. I rarely get a quince anymore, but anyhow. So Helen McCarroll's done a a great article on quince. She really knows what she's talking about. I've had fun writing about rosemary um, and I was really pleased that I was here. You mean Sylvia Rosemarinus? Yes. I was really (laughs) pleased that I was here here two months ago because I hadn't heard about the change. I I wouldn't have, I don't know, I'd always check these days. Yeah, well, I do. Even the most common of plants, I go in and check whether it's still got that name or not and it's surprising how often often it it changes. Well, I actually started the article talking about how my world shifted on its axis (laughs) when I found out that rosemary was itself. I'll tell you what, the Selvia study group are not happy. No. (laughs) Yes. Okay. But there's not, well, I was going to say there's not that many rosemaries, but when I started doing the research for it, I found that there are a lot of different rosemaries. In fact, I found about 20 Really? Without wow. really looking. And this is um, prostrate rosemaries, dwarf rosemaries and tall-growing rosemaries and pink-flowered rosemaries oh, and white-flowered yeah. rosemaries and rosemaries that have pure rosemary flavour and those that have more of a pine flavour. And there's Goodness a whole me. variety of, of uh, different Do they all fall under the one rosemaries. species, though, or are they? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So they're still uh, they're all what was rosemarinus officinalis, which is now salvia um, rosmarinus. But... Yes, and and there seems to be a rosemary for every spot. So mm. one of the things I love about rosemary is that you you can get those low sprawling mm. ones, or you can get tall mm. hedge forming ones. You know, you can and and everything in between. Yeah, and they have important medicinal uses. And anyway, so um, I had lots of fun writing about that. But we also have a, a really interesting article about what's happening in in Brisbane in particular, but um, Queensland a bit more. Mm-hmm. What happened during the lockdown with people getting together and guerrilla gardening and uh, yeah. you know taking over vacant plots of land and creating <laughs> gardens and and um, existing community gardens that suddenly did outreach into the community and there's some really nice social oh, things happening and in the issue that we're working on at the moment I've I've written about um, in in northern Tasmania they have um, street libraries. And someone had the Joe McCulloch, um, McCulloch had the idea of turning them into seed street libraries. Ah. So she invested some of her money and um, put a whole lot of seeds into their street library, and then it's it's now spread to ten um, libraries oh, in fantastic. northern Tasmania, yeah. and all these groups that are associated with it. And on Facebook, they're discussing gardening, and there's oh, been this huge lovely. outbreak of. People involved in gardening, but um, in a in a really community based way. So there's a lovely article. And that's about probably that. why the magazines had to go back to some of those yeah. basics yeah. as well, because yeah. you're getting people that have never been interested in having a veggie patch, and now they exactly. are, which is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. I think. So it's we have really to good, but they don't want. To, the trouble is, a lot of those people left in without any help or advice. Yeah. And. They're almost doomed for failure, which is really sad. But, but, I, they get... but I think that's why the community part's so important is yeah. because people in that community, uh, some of them are experienced yeah. and they're sharing their experience really which generously, fabulous. which is really nice. Um, and there's a lovely article about Jeanne Lu, who is a gardener in Melbourne and um, what she's growing in her garden, things like celtus and fig leaf gourd and... 
kohlrabi mm. and um mm. she grew up in what she says was a con- concrete jungle in china and she's ended up in suburban melbourne and she has this incredible yeah. abundance in her garden so Fantastic. i think it's a really nice issue and i think um you know if you uh you can pick it up in the news agent and there's good recipes and I don't know, bees, um, chooks, yes, everything. The works, everything's covered. All right, so, so uh, Organic yeah. Gardener magazine out yeah. now and uh, should be in your house, I think. Yes. All right. And, and I sh- sorry, I just oh. need to say that um, Eliza, who's a lovely young woman in Melbourne, has written about her favourite roses as well. Oh, so well, that's, that's lovely. Nice. Something for the soul as well yeah. as for the yeah. Can you tummy? get that on subscription too, you can. Penny? Yes. So that, yeah. Something like that is a great gift. You know, Mother's Day's just been and gone. Mm. Um, but people always say, oh, what do you buy someone that's got everything? Yeah. And magazine subscriptions yeah. are a great Absolutely. idea because it, it's a gift yeah. that keeps coming every yeah. month. Yeah. Um, and particularly so if, you've, if you've got someone in the family who is a new gardener. Exactly. Um, great. And this magazine particularly because it goes into the basics as well as and then the article yeah. on the young Chinese lady – the photos that are in there are just amazing. She's created this yep. lush yep. inner Melbourne um, sanctuary for herself and I think, you know, they're great articles to read too. Yeah, all right, that's fantastic. All right, we still haven't had anybody ring us up. Now, no, what's going on? Everyone's in bed. Yes, and, and obviously asleep. <laughs> cold. I would have thought we'd have woken them up oh, by yeah. now. You and I with yeah, our between, loud voices. Yes, between the two of us. Um, all right, let's uh, repeat the phone numbers and things so that people can ring in. We'd love to hear from you if you've got anything you'd like to discuss on your garden. And it doesn't always have to be a problem. I mean, radio tends to be problem-driven, which is fair enough, I guess, in one sense. But you might have something... Maybe skite about something. Yeah, you might have something that's doing really well in your garden and you want to let people know about it. Or you might have a little trick that you use that, that works for you, like blocks of ice on your peonies <laughs> or, or whatever. So, the phone number. If you want to ring in and talk to the three of us on air, it's 94190155. That's 94190155. You can text in on 0488 809 855. So that's 0488 809 855. And you can talk to me, Stephen Ryan, or you can talk to Penny Woodward, or you can talk to Jane Tonkin. And so we've got a gamut of expertise in the place. Gamut? I don't know. That'll do. Um, plethora. Yeah, a plethora of expertise. Big words on a Sunday morning is yes. not my thing. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so we're all here and we're waiting for you to call in because we'd love to hear from you. So if you've got anything you'd like to discuss, please ring us on 94190155. All right. We've got a call starting to come in. Oh, Have you got something quick and simple that we can... No, I've never got quick and simple. Uh, Jane, you should oh, have... Okay. All right. Hang on. Quick and simple. When we were talking about peonies before, yeah. anyone that's trying to grow lily of the valley, so uh, Convalaria majalis, yep. um, exactly the same. It needs that cold winter so, and frosty spot. So, so you, you need, can do the ice trick to your lily of the valley so as well. So more ice cream. Basically. More ice cream or yeah. more, more curry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Is that quick enough? Good. So, yeah, that's very quick and very good indeed. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we will uh, bring up our first call. Anne, are you there from Northcote? I am, Stephen. Woohoo! I got you in. Good morning, Anne. How are you this morning? <laughs> I'm pretty good, thank you. Maybe, right. but you know. Um, Stephen, uh, about three years ago, I got three trees from you. I got a, a, a florist, um, flor- sorry, what am I trying to say? A pansy? Oh, a forest, forest pansy. pansy, yes, yes, a That's circus, what I'm yes. To say. Mm-hmm. 
I'm in clay soil here, um, so they've all worked really well. I've got a hawthorn mm -hmm. and I've got a Chinese quin. Ah, yes, the pseudocydonia, and, yeah. Yes, and they're all doing really well. They're about two and a bit metres now. Good. And my second year of produce from the quince, and mm. they're just amazing. Um, I do... I, I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing with the recipe, but I've made jelly and I've um, done a few things with them. Mm -hmm. And it, because they're a bit more tart, it was suggested I add some salt to the um, the jelly mix, which seems to have helped a bit. Yeah. Just wondered if you've got any thoughts. But I'm also, this morning, I'm um, mushing down some of the hawthorns because the hordes have come up like, Champions this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, so and you I'm can make use a whore jelly. Yes, whore jelly. Offer it to somebody at breakfast time, and you'll get a strange look on their faces. Possibly. <laughs> would you uh, like? <laughs> yes, would you like whore jelly? Yes. Um, the, it Any is actually on the quince recipes that might you know take the tartness away. It's a bit. You know, I don't mind it, but when you say this is quince jelly to someone, they sort of turn their nose up when they taste it. I like the flavour of the Chinese mock quince, personally. I think it's a more complex flavour even than the classical quince in some ways. Um, I The only way I've used them, though, I have made I have made jelly out of them, uh, but I don't eat a lot of jelly, so perhaps I don't have mm. the sweet tooth either. So we found we ended up with a cupboard full of jellies and jams and god knows what else with sticky kitchens and third degree burns um <laughs> and we decided that we don't do that anymore but i tell you what i did do with the chinese quinces once and it worked quite well and i don't remember where i found the recipe i'm assuming i googled it but we did pickled quinces which were fantastic with meat dishes so we, ah. we turned them into pickle quinces which was lovely and in fact i think i've still got a jar or two of pickle quinces that have been in the cupboard for a couple of years now uh, do the do those ones um bake in the same way as the they're very much harder than the normal quince so you, okay. i think they're better in something where they're prepared in liquids and, and yeah. things. I don't think yeah. that they would make a baked quince. Having said that, I've not tried it, but I just get this sense. But if somebody's looking for a really pretty tree, I mean, I love the classical quince as a tree. It's very pretty. Um, but there are certain benefits of having the mock quince that uh, I think are worthwhile considering. For a start, the uh, the foliage rarely, if ever, gets black spot, which normal quinces often get. So the foliage is generally in good condition right through to the autumn. When it colours in the autumn, it goes reds and oranges and very yellows. Nice. So very spectacular autumn foliage, whereas a classical quince is sort of soft yellows, so it's not as exciting. And of course, the mock quince gets this fabulous bark like a crepe myrtle. So you've got bark, you've got blossom in the spring. I don't think the mock quince's blossom is quite as pretty as a classical quince because it's smaller and a deeper pink and there's not as much of it um, so I don't think the blossoms are as good but the autumn foliage, the effective fruit hanging on the tree looks fantastic even if you don't use them uh, and then the bark, especially on an old tree because it develops this wonderful sort of gnarliness to it which is lovely. So yeah the mock quince is gorgeous but I don't have any special recipes I would use the fruit for but you could try googling a, um, a, a Pickled quince recipe might be a good mm. way to use them. Try that out. Sounds good. Sounds mm. good. May I just also check with you my hawthorn? I've put them uh, as a triplet um, in my front garden, west facing. Mm -hmm. um, my hawthorn uh, is in the middle, and um, I think the, the rootstock um, is showing really quite crackly bark at the bottom. And mm. I I just wonder if it's still healthy. If I send you a picture to your um, nursery address, 
you mind just checking? I can check it out for you, but I think you'll find that uh, the understock would naturally get a sort of crinkly sort of fissured bark. Okay. Uh, So I I think it's all right. I wouldn't be worrying about it particularly. All right. The tree looks pretty healthy. Yeah, yeah. Look, if the tree's looking healthy and growing at a reasonable rate of knots, I think you've got nothing to worry about, Anne. All right. Lovely. So I'm very happy with them, Steve, and they're they're doing well. Thank you. That's good. All right. It's always nice to have a good report, (laughs) and thank you for ringing in. Thank you for taking the time to call in. Yes. All right. We'll catch up with you again at some point. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Um, all right, we've got another one. Oh. Here we go. John from Hurstbridge. Are you there, John? I am, Stephen. Good. How are you this morning? I'm very good. A little cool like everyone else. <laughs> very good. Um, so I had a question. We used um, lucerne hay as a mulch and put it fairly thickly around both garlic and pumpkins. Um, fairly good crop for both, but... We ended up with some garlic rust and obviously pumpkins, powdery mildew. Can I reuse that lucerne hay or should I not? Um, yeah, it should be fine. The, the rust is not going to be in the hay. <clears throat> I mean, okay. you, may have, you may have some spores in there. I probably wouldn't put them back on the garlic. Mm. Um, no. Put it in your compost or, or somewhere else. But um, garlic rust is really specific to garlic, so it's not going to affect any other plant in your garden except alliums. So don't use it on your alliums. Um, but if you want to use it on, on ornamentals or fruit trees or something like that, you'll be absolutely fine. Now, the, the garlic rust, though, Penny, is um, it's not been caused because of the mulch. No, no. no. So it, Look, it, no. Uh, the, the mulch, if it got particularly wet, might have been one element in keeping the moisture high in the air, but mm-hmm. rust is very dependent on a combination of temperature and moisture in the air, um, and you'll get it badly one year and you won't get it at all the mm-hmm. next year. But again, um, you should move your garlic, plant your garlic in a different position this year. Of course, yeah. Yeah, look, we do that. Normally it's been fairly good. I just think it was a combination of the season um, yep. that we got it last year. All right, good. I'll tell my wife she was wrong. And, uh, <laughs> oh, <dear>. sorry. <laughs> um, the, the good luck with that. Um, one small thing is if, you, um, if, if you're replanting bulbs that were affected by rust, um, soak yeah. them overnight in a, um, a potassium bicarbonate solution. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Can I ask a quick follow-up question? Mm-hmm. Um, on, on veggie beds, um, we uh, re-compost and use blood and bone and dynamic lifter. Any problems if that's what you mainly do year after year? Does it build up of anything? Um, no, I can't think no. of any issues. No. I, 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 do you, you put your own compost in as well? We do. We do yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, look... The thing that we have come to realise, with particularly with veggie gardens, but really with all gardens, is that you need a really active microbiome in your soil. Mm. And as long as you have that active microbiome, then you're doing the right things. Yeah. So, yeah. But you should be fine um, with those. I, I would agree with Penny. I'd just say, though, that if other materials come to hand, 
you don't exclude them. No. You, you know, no. So if somebody offered me a bag of aardvark manure, um, <laughs> I would grab the bag with, with, with lust and take it home um, because I have this attitude. I'd put it the, on eBay. <laughs> yes, well, you could too, actually. Um, but I just have this sense that the more diversity of materials yep. I put in, the better. So, yes, your dynamic lifters and your blood and bones and all those things are, are perfectly fine. But if something else comes your way or, or you happen to be out driving and you see bags of something being sold Horse on the side of the yeah, you know, all these different materials can all add their own nutrients and their own sort of humus materials to the soil. So, yeah, I, I always figure I might have a favourite food, but I don't want it every day of the year and your garden soil might well be the same. So, you know, give it a treat occasionally. Uh, yeah, look, can I, uh, can I just add to that that I think we need to be careful about bringing stuff in from outside, mm. particularly with the broadleaf herbicide that we talked about a couple uh, of months yes, ago, yeah. um, which is particularly found in horse manure. Mm. So if you're going to collect horse manure from the side of the road, you need to go and talk to the farmer yeah. and ask what he's been using on his paddocks because you do not want, no, we don't want the remnants to... of the broadleaf herbicide in. I, I actually yeah. have these days a policy of only using what I'm producing in my garden. Which is a great thing if you can manage it, but a yeah. lot of people with small look, gardens... Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. But I just, you know, I'm, I, because, you know, we know that there's been problem with soil brought in from outside as well. Yeah. So I, if I'm starting a new bed, I make my own soil by by creating compost and um, nothing green leaves my garden. It gets mm. mulched, it goes back into the soil. Um, I've been experimenting with potosporums which um, we have a lot of in our neighbourhood and, and people next door have quite a couple of quite big ones and they suppress the growth of the um, plants underneath them. So right. I've been mulching them and putting them on my parts, which is working quite well because it's to some extent stopping some of the weeds from coming oh, well, out. So, yeah. you know, That's a use for a, a potosterum. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've always thought the shredder was the best base for a potosterum, so, but anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I, I use the shredder a lot and mm. everything, as I said, goes back. Mm. And look, we do the same in our own garden. We, mm. we we certainly don't have anything organic leave the property. In one way or another, it gets used up. Even big sticks and logs become firewood yeah. and the ash goes I'm back the into the garden. Yeah, so, yeah, so we, we waste nothing at all. Um, but, um, yeah, getting back to aardvark manure, I'd still go there if I had it. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Lovely. We, we do follow our alpacas around. And, um, oh, well done. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. so that, that, that goes into the compost. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. No, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. I think if you're making compost, you're doing the right thing yeah. because mm-hmm. you get so much diversity in that. Just all right. an easy way to turn it, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't an easy way, no. but it does save you a lot on gym fees. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so think of the exercise Thanks. involved. Lovely. Thank you very much. All right. That's a pleasure. All right. Bye. Great. All right. So there we go. Uh, don't forget, you can ring in and have a chat to us, 94190155. You can talk to Penny Woodward about herbs, garlic, tomatoes, in fact, almost anything edible I'm sure we can have an mm-hmm. opinion on. Uh, and Jane Tonkin's here, of course, who can talk to you about all those pretty things, bulbs and perennials and uh, all those lovely things that feed our souls in the garden. Thank you. Yes, yeah. they do. Yes, they do. But they also feed the diversity and they feed the beneficial insects that are do. flying around and yeah. they're really important. Yeah, look, I, and I actually do have this conversation quite regularly in my nursery where people say, oh, I can't plant it if I can't eat it. And I say, well, no, actually that's not really the way yeah. to go because, you know, you do have to feed your soul, you do have to have beauty in the garden, and a lot of those plants have have 
added values. <laughs> they feed the birds, they feed the insects. Yep. Um, uh, the thing you've got to consider is, of course, that... Um, you want to have as many single flowers around the garden as possible because lots of big full double flowers, in fact, aren't so good for feeding insects and bees and what have you. So you probably need Dahlia Stephen Ryan, which is simple, single, virginal, white and self-supporting. I'm sorry, what was it? (laughs) (laughs) I had a Dahlia named after me and it's simple, single, virginal, white and self-supporting, yes. (laughs) And dare I say it's slightly perfumed. (laughs) There's uh, a fabulous label there, isn't yeah, there? Oh, there is. There's a good label there. Yeah, uh, yeah it always makes me smile. Uh, and of all the things to have named after one, a, a, a single white dahlia wasn't the sort of thing I had in mind initially, but anyhow. You don't uh, get a choice, though, do you? No, well, you it don't because happens. you don't. I actually get people regularly ask me if I named it after myself, and I don't see myself as that sort of self-important. And no. anyhow, it's inappropriate to name a plant Yeah, after you're not yourself. allowed to, in no, fact. No, no. So you've got to have somebody else who cares enough about you to you actually do it for you. Um, We'll see what we can do with a species lilium cross or something. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah, something bright red this time yeah. would be really good. You know, or orange. Well, it, it needs to have some sort of character and yeah. flamboyance to yeah, it. Yeah, that's I think. right. Yes, yeah, a multi-headed, very tall, you know, vigorous lilium. Yes, that'd okay. do. Yeah, leave it with me. <laughs> Actually, that does raise a question, though, Jane. Are you playing with breeding uh, at your establishment? A, a little bit. Yeah. Um, my darling partner's got in. To doing some noreen crossing, ah, which yeah. um, Dad did. Yes, your many father. Of. Yeah, yeah, your dad did lots of. Um, so he's been playing around with that, constantly playing around with crossing species lilies and things to, because they're my favourite. Those Turks cap oh, yummies are yeah, just they're, they're darlings, um, aren't they? Yeah. So that sort of stuff is quite fun. Um, it's just getting time yeah. to do things as well because there's always weeds to pull. There's always something yeah. to repot. Yeah, breeding's one of those things I've sort of, or as much as I'd love to do it, I've always thought in my retirement. <laughs> because yes. you, you, you do need to spend time on it and do it properly. And You do. Yeah. And, um, you know, Kirill has a problem with me selfing things as well. Oh, right. Because um, I just go along and dab pollen around because it's this quick fix as I'm going mm. past to set some seed on something. Um, and I think you, you're right. It is an investment. You have to label everything properly with your crosses and things. And mm. um, at this stage, you and I in the nursery trade don't have the time. No, no. It's it's one of those things. That what I do is I keep my eye out for a self sown seedling that might be different. Is yeah. that all I can do at this point in my life? And sometimes they're the best. Yeah. Well, and they can be. A yeah. lot of really yeah. good garden plants were just. Self-sown seedlings that popped up. The Granny Smith apple was a classic yes. example. There's lots of plants that are just spontaneous things that have the characteristics we want. So nature sometimes throws us a, an interesting one. And if it survives, it's probably a strong one. <laughs> well, there is that as well. Sometimes the bread things, you know, when going back to dahlias, you know, they're breeding them bigger and bigger and bigger. They'll become harder to grow as a garden plant because they'll keep falling over and all sorts of dreadful things. Um, so they're not being bred for the garden. They're being bred for the show bench. And, exactly. And yep. therefore you've got to spend lots of time disbudding and dealing and uh, pain in the neck. Um, All right, we've got another call coming through. Let's see if we can find... Fred, are you there from Reservoir? Fred? Good morning, Fred. He's going to make a coffee. I'm sure I pressed the right button. All right, we're going to have to... I'll try again. Fred, are you there? Yes, I am. Ah, I don't know what happened there. It was probably me. Um, How are you this morning? 
I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Well, I think we're all fine. We're awake good, and we're you. alive and we're chatting away, so we're good, I think. Good, good. I like the advice that was given before about bringing nothing in your garden, mm-hmm. uh, because I bring nothing in my garden. Um, which that, that, that was the first time I've heard it on radio being mentioned, which was real good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my question is about Juneberries. There is a Juneberry that uh, grows to three feet, about a meter, a pumilla. Will that produce fruit? Um, <clears throat> it's not a plant I'm familiar with, no. Fred. Um, so June, as in J-U-N-E, berry? Yeah, June, yeah. Juneberries. Yeah, yes. it's, I, I actually, think it's an amelanchia. Does that make sense? No, it's P-U-M-I-L-A. P-U-M. T-U-M. P-U-M, I think. P-U-M. I-L-A. It's in your, it's in your, it's in your old catalogue, actually. Oh, yeah, but that's a species name. That's not the genus name. Pumila oh, means okay. dwarf. Yeah. Yeah, so it uh, would still be Amelanchia Pumila. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was going to, Fred. Sorry. Okay. Um, yes, it will still produce edible fruit. Um, unfortunately, I don't have it at the moment, uh, and I'm not sure where you would get uh, Amelanchia pumila. And, yes, it's known as Juneberry, and they're also known as Shadbush. Uh, there's a whole range of different common names for them. Uh, and they're mainly North American, although there's a couple of Asian ones. They're deciduous shrubs. They have very pretty white flowers. Uh, they have fairly small berries. I mean, you'd have to have quite a lot of them in the garden to pick a crop, um, okay. so to speak. Um, but the dwarf one, yeah, grows to about a metre, metre and a half. It makes a nice bush. Its autumn colour can be really attractive because um, it can colour up like like a blueberry bush does. Mm. Um, but I'm just not quite sure if anybody's still growing it. I certainly haven't grown it for a while. Okay. okay. But it is I'm edible if you can get it. It's also called okay. service berries. Service berries, another common yeah. name. I knew there was, and another. they look like blueberries. They, they do they look like a little, little crown on the end, like oh. a blueberry. I think they have a little more oomph to the flavour than yeah. the average blueberry. There's a little bit more of a tartness to them. Uh, I find blueberries, generally speaking, fairly bland. Um, but that just might be mm. me. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know where you get it from, Fred, because I'm not growing it at the moment. I don't even think I've still got a stock plant to propagate from. So it's one of those things okay. I, I need to resource again, unfortunately. Right. How drought tolerant are they? Look, once they get their roots down, they're reasonably drought tolerant, but they won't crop well unless they get adequate water. And that goes for a yeah. lot of fruiting plants. Many of them will tolerate drought, but you're not going to get a good crop of fruit unless they get some moisture. Okay. Okay, thank you. That's a pleasure. We'll catch up with you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes, I'd forgotten all about the um, Amelanchias. I still grow some of the bigger growing ones, um, but I haven't grown Pumila for ages. And uh, they are a really attractive shrub. And, yes, they're edible, but I think some of these things are sort of browsing plants more than Mm. they're useful sort of cropping things. Yep. Yep. You know, so you walk around the garden and you pick a berry. It's sort of like the Ugnies and all sorts of other things. This is, that, this or is blackberries a, in my case. This yes. is a perfect segue into these. Oh, here which we are, go, which a segue. Are... <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Especially with us. I don't us. know, we planned it. Yeah. Yeah, yes. All right, so all right, let's use it. the segue then, shall we, Penny? Okay, so these are cherry guavas. Oh, yes. So you, that one's actually ripe. Oh, so good. Yum. That if you want to. I'm just trying to see if the other ones are. I think that one's ripe. Mm. I love them. I love the flavour of them. But they're, as you just said, they're a grazing thing. Mm. I, I, although I have two bushes and they tend to be tucked away, they're not in the perfect position, mm-hmm. but I never really get enough on them 
to make them worth doing anything other than just pick them as I as I wander around the garden. And I think but, some plants are good for that. Yes, yeah, and it's a it's a way of um, eating, and you know, which mm. is a nice way of mm. you know, and it's Very what good. we should be doing. I Sorry, think, Jane's eating. I think they're lovely, and they have a, a glossy green leaf. It's a tough plant. Yeah. Anything that at the moment that survives in my garden is a tough plant, and it's um, and and. I think they're well worth they're well worth growing. The botanical name is Cidium catalianum. Oh goodness, yes. Um, starting with a P, so it's a silent P. Um, but yeah, well worth well worth putting in. They'll grow without any help at all, and um, I think they're delicious. Yeah, and I actually think that, that browsing crops like that, particularly if there's something that's not overly commonly grown. I always like the look of the eyebrows going up as you're walking around the garden with somebody who's not initiated to these plants and you start picking things off. And eating un- berries. Yeah, and they- eating berries yeah. off unknown shrubs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I think also what we were talking about diversity before in the garden mm. and in the soil, diversity in your diet's really important Of course well. it is, yeah. So, you know, eating unusual yeah. things as long as you know that they're safe. Because <laughs> well, yes. I, I browse the herbs in my garden as mm. well. I'm always going around and picking a few leaves off and just chomping on them as yeah. I'm going out to feed the chooks or doing whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Certainly it's... can't do any harm. It's no. a really nice thing to be able to browse around the garden. Mm. So, uh, And it's funny, some of those little fruits, sometimes I end up with those, whereas I don't end up with quinces because the parrots and the cockatoos mm. find them and mm. you know my apple trees get ripped to bits by them as well. Um, and so some of the fruits I don't get a lot of because I won't net because I just don't like netting. Yes, we've had this conversation yeah. because uh, it's ugly. It is ugly. You know, <laughs> we all... sound really snobby this morning. Yeah, we do. But you know, uh, you know, I don't want a garden full of for the older people out there. I'll use an analogy: a garden full of Ina Sharples's. For anybody who can remember, Ina Sharples from Coronation Street always wore a hairnet, um, and she was a nasty piece of old work as well. Uh, and um, yeah, so aesthetics are important to me. So I have the fruit trees there. The parrots and the cockies enjoy them. They get the fruit off them. I sort of shrug my shoulders and think, oh well, they were pretty in flower. Uh, and then I shade trees uh, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, some of these smaller fruits, I often can pick and browse. Uh, the birds mm-hmm. don't seem to have found my ugni berry, so I can munch on that as I walk past, which is rather nice. And um, and it's the same with quite a few of the smaller fruits. So, yeah, yeah. well worth looking at. Yeah. So I disagree with you about the netting, but apart from that, because <laughs> well, I love my fruit and I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I let the parrots get some of them, but I also eat them. I yeah. think it's fabulous. Yes, James well. Grieve apple that every year just makes my month when they yeah. come into fruition I can eat them off the tree day after day and all I have to do is lift up the edge of the net and yes. put my hand in and grab a couple out. And... Yeah, it's alright, I can see the charm of that. But if yeah. you, Can I just say, if you are netting Stop we, backpedalling. We have some new regulations that have come in in Victoria ah, you yes. have to have very fine holes in yeah. the net so that, so that wildlife yeah, can't get caught in them. Bats and birds and All things. of that. Yeah. So if you can put your fingers through the holes, Don't it's too it. big. Yeah. Don't use it. Get rid of it. Okay. Because yeah. um, lizards get trapped in them, a whole range of yeah. different native animals get yes, caught. Which so, is, yeah, which is so, another reason why I don't so do it. So, is there regulations <laughs> on that that people can look up to make sure they're doing um, the right? Yes, thing? that I, yeah. Yep. It's, I'm trying to remember who actually brought, yeah, brought the rules mm. in. It's not ag, because um, it was to do with gardens. It yeah. was specifically to do with gardens. But I think if you went on the Victor, any Victorian mm. government website and just Googled it, it might would, be worth checking because yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. a good idea. All right, we have another call in, Ooh. and this time it's Jill from the Herb Society. Good morning, Jill. 
Good morning, Steve and Annie. Hi, Jill. Lovely to and talk to you. Mate. Jane. Hi, Jill. And <laughs> okay. um, I've got an interesting rose. I bought a carpet rose that was burgundy, but it's got half of it as flowers white and half of it flowers the burgundy red. Well, there you go. That's what's called a sport. Yeah. Um, very sporty. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm not sure what team, but anyhow, yes. Uh, I, it's interesting with, with um, often with modern plants that um, they revert back mm. quite often. So I've, I've actually brought in um, a variegated thyme, and it's the only variegated thyme that I grow because it's the only one that doesn't revert back to plain thyme yeah. in my, my experience. It's a lot a, of the variegated It's a silver posy one, whereas yeah. the golden variegated lemon thyme and the silver lemon thyme always eventually revert back yeah. to green, which yeah. is fine. I mean, I love them as plants, but if you want to keep something that's variegated. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting sometimes how yeah. they revert back to... Well, certainly to, some roses do it on a semi-regular yeah. basis. That's yeah. how some new cultivars actually show up too. They sport in a different direction yeah. that's unexpected. And camellias are very prone to it as well. They'll, they'll sport quite regularly. So yeah. japonica camellias, you'll often have a red one that'll suddenly throw a branch of white or, or bicoloured Ma'am. flowers. So, Jill... May I tell you something else? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, Penny, I did a talk on plants of the first fleet last Thursday week at Herb Society. Yep. And in my research, I found that I have one of the plants that came from Brazil in my garden. Okay, which one? I, it's Jalap. Yeah. Jalap is... is the, I've got the species, and Jeremy knew one... Uh, the hybridised one that's called something like three, three, um, I don't know, three roses, no, three, three something. Anyway, um, I got the seed from Jenny James in Hyatt, who's been giving lavender to the Herd Society and a beautiful lavender for about 10 or so years. Yep. And she, she uh, my favourite colour is magenta. So yep. this plant has magenta flowers. I, th- I think I told you this a fortnight ago, Stephen. And um, uh, anyway, uh, I was so excited. There's this rare plant that's used as either an emetic for diarrhoea or for constipation. Oh, goodness me. In my garden. I must keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I said to Jenny, you're all right. No matter what happens to your gut, you're, you're, in, yes. you're not in trouble. Oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, well, it's fantastic, Jill. Well, thank you for ringing in and telling us about your weird rose bush. Yes, I've got a weird garden, really. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, uh, dare I say that I've always said to people that one should have a garden that reflects your own personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, people often say I'm peculiar, if I that is. Well, peculiar is well, a lot nicer word than weird, yeah. Jill, I think. So, Jill, who's speaking at the next um, Herb Society meeting? Well, the next one is the birthday meeting in June, and then um, in July, I haven't really confirmed, but I think it's Sandra McMahon from Friends of Burnley Gardeners is speaking in August. So, anyway, it's not quite tied up, but yeah. Uh, so, if somebody, if but if people want to come to the birthday meeting, is that okay? Oh yes, of course, it's fine and it's free and. We're, we're not doing supper at this stage, just having herb tea. So, right, right. Uh, if people want to wear masks, you know, which you do again, 
Uh, they do so pleased. We're very happy with that. And if they want to bring their own mug, that's good as well. All right. Okay. All right, well, uh, thank you, Jill. I'll just say room oh. 10 in the main building at Burnley Horticultural College, for those who don't know, 500 Yarra Boulevard. Yes, Richmond. Funny, isn't okay. it? All right. Okay. All right, nice Thanks, to hear your Jill. voice, and we'll catch up again, Jill. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right. Um, all right, we've got... Oops, I've done something wrong there. Sorry about that. Oh, I see what I did wrong. I pressed the wrong button. There. Ah, all right. Now, we haven't spoken about any other bulbs for a little while. Whilst we're waiting for, for Sharon to come up on board, have we got something that you'd like to um, mention? That yes, I'm going to talk about one of my um, winter dormant favourite perennials. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to mention the word lampracapnos to you, Stephen. Oh, you're going to mention lapracapnos to me? Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I know what, exactly what you're talking about. Oh, now, another name change. Now, for everybody out there, uh, yes, there was a massive name change. It used to be Dicentra spectabilis, or everyone will know it as Bleeding Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the big one that comes from China and Japan. So uh, in their wisdom and research, it now is in a monotypic genus on its own. Mm. So it it's does now, look quite different to the other dicentrics, It does, I have to and say. the growth habit is quite different other than to something like eczemia in the mm. dicentrics that, that makes that more clump-forming yeah. rather than... they yeah, sort of running yeah. mats. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the bleeding heart, which traditionally is these beautiful pink lockets with um, a white drop at the bottom which are actually the two inner petals but the foliage is also this beautiful filigree um, soft yumminess that is just perfect for your woodland garden and it can get to almost a metre tall and about a metre across once your um, clump is established and winter is now the time to be buying it while they're dormant so they flower from late spring through the summer if you keep them moist enough they can almost get through to the end of January, mm. early February with it. It's such an amazing woodland plant. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I have to say two things I would always tell people, though, about it is, one, its stems are very brittle, so you don't want to get it somewhere it's got a lot of wind because yeah. uh, they tend to snap yeah. very easily. <laughs> and secondly, the root <laughs> systems are very brittle and you don't want to be doing a lot of digging. Mm. So, we, yes, when you actually dig, make sure you've got your fork all the way around and gently lift up. And, and a bit like when you're digging peonies as well, you do hear this crack, 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 crack. And you get a bit scared. Um, So best left in anyway until Mm. your clump is too big that you would like to divide it, um, which can be a little bit tricky because, as Stephen said, the roots are very brittle. Yes. Yes, It's heart-stopping when you start digging those things. (laughs) Yes. But well worth the effort in this nice, you know, afternoon shade, woodlandy position. Beautiful, rich, humus Mm. soil. Um, Mix all that yummy organic sort of materials and stuff in that Penny's talking about before with your own composts and things, um, and it will flourish. Yeah, beautiful. And you will thank yourself. But there's also a white version of... And there what is do you now, think of the gold-leafed ones? I, I think it's hideous, but anyway. <laughs> um, sorry. No, I just think it looks sick and insipid. Yeah. Um, I, I do sound really... <laughs> No, that's all right. You're allowed to be opinionated, Jenny. uh, Jane. (laughs) Oh, dear. It's still too early in the morning. Jane, Um, you're allowed to have an opinion. It's fine. You don't need to like something. There is a gold leaf form. But there is also a red form now, um, Valentine. Mm -hmm. So it's been trademarked, I think, in the US. Um, But you can find that through our Purple Pot Boys. Antique Mm -hmm. perennials do often sell that. 
uh, into nurseries and things. So, so it's um, out there a bit. It is out there a bit, um, and it and it is red, yeah. but it's more of a. Um, Magenta red, it's not a bright red. Yeah, it's got that blueness about it, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, true. Blue yeah. hue to it. Mm. Um, and it's it's just as good and easy to grow as the normal pink, but I, I'm pretty much a traditional let's go with a species type of girl. Yeah. Um, so, I don't mind the pure white. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, not as hardy though. No, it's not um, as strong, is it, it? It's quite difficult at times to get a really good clump of it going. Um, but they do make a really, really good cut flower too. So if your stems do break off in the wind, mm. you can take them inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to encourage that. All right. Mm. We better bring in another call. Good morning, Sharon from Cheltenham. Uh, good morning. <clears throat> um, look, I have a question for my son. He's taken out some bamboo and he's got a wall that doesn't get um, a lot of sun, I'm told. Mm. And he wants to grow something there. Now, um, I've I've been thinking myself, I did think of camellias, Mm -hmm. uh, but have you any suggestions? Look, if it's a reasonably shady wall, there's a a plethora of things that you could grow there. What sort of height? Yes, that was the next question I was going to ask. Yes, so how tall do they need to grow? Oh, well, probably you'd want... You'd probably want at least a metre and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and width? Upwards. Well, it's probably going to be limited to about 500 mm. because it's a bit of a walkway and a narrow area, I think. Mm-hmm. The bamboo probably went out about 500, so, yeah, probably half a metre wide. All right. Well, certainly some of the camellias would be fine, so it depends on what colours mm. he's interested in and whether he goes into the more Sasanqua autumn flowering species or whether he goes into the late winter spring japonicas and their ilk. Um, and they're incredibly tough camellias, oh, aren't they? they, they right. Once their roots are established, they're very drought tolerant mm. Um, uh, mm. They are, and they're very prunable, so if they get bigger than you want, you can prune them. So, you know, he could certainly do far worse than camellias, I reckon, so mm. I would yeah, definitely consider I'd... those. Yeah. Um, now, a Banksia rose um, wouldn't be enough no. sun, would it? No. 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 no, I wouldn't go down that line. What, what is the wall that the, these things are going to be against? Oh, I think it's a paling. Oh, so it's yeah. a paling fence or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could consider growing a climber on the mm. fence as well. This could be another yeah. way of looking at it. As long as it's yeah. one of those things that the neighbour on the other side of the fence doesn't object to as well because anything no, growing on a fence is likely to go, end up on both sides. Oh, I know. Tell me about it. Yes. (laughs) And a climber that I regularly use for fence cover because if it does go over the other side, it tends to dangle straight down so you don't get that sort of unstuffed mattress look at the top of the fence, uh, uh, is the silver vein creeper, Parthenocissus henriana from China. It has leaves like a Virginia creeper. And in the shade, though, it has a white vein that runs down the centre of each leaflet. And it is beautiful in the shade. Uh, It goes brilliant scarlet in the autumn before it sheds its leaves. And you could even have that growing on the fence and then plant perhaps some spring flowering camellias in front of it. So you've got the autumnal foliage of the Virginia, uh, the... Uh, silver vein creeper, um, and then the spring blossom of the camellias, and of course the evergreenness of the camellias as well when the other things bear. Yes, I'll look that one up. Yeah, so silver vein creeper, unfortunately, Parthenosis is Henriana, um, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's a, a lovely climber, and I use it a lot uh, for 
things like over pergolas where I want something to dangle through and look really elegant. There's a YouTube channel sort of happening here in what you can do with creepers, I think. Yeah, well, there will be in due course. Give give me time. (laughs) We only have one video goes up a week, so it'll take a while to build our our dossier of videos behind us, but we're getting there. Um, So there's a couple of ideas, and I mean... Shady spots like that, I mean, you could have the um, silver vein creeper, camellias, and then you could have some low woodland bulbs mm. and things at the bottom of them. Yeah. So and you then have... morosa or something like that. Yeah, that, or, you know, yeah. you know, so there's lots, you know, it, even though it's a narrow bed, it doesn't mean that you're going to be completely restricted to just one group of plants. No, and I know he, he sort of likes colour, like he said, a rose, and I said, well, no, you won't get a rose. <laughs> no. <coughs> No. Well, if you put yeah. it in the camellias and you put in a silver vein creeper and then put in some spring flowering ephemeral woodlanders, um, and as mm. uh, Jane mentioned, the uh, the little wooden enemies would be a possibility. Um, you could plant some shade tolerant bulbs. I know they're a bit of a thug, but bluebells grow really well in the shade, and they galanthus. Yes, yeah, snowdrops <laughs> could be good. Um, so there's a whole range of smaller bulbs, and there's a whole range of woodlandy perennials that you could put in. And if he keeps the ground reasonably moist during the summer, that, that that will then extend the range of plants hugely. Yep. So, Fun. Oh, that's really good. I, I, that'll be great. He loves colour and he is a good waterer. That's one thing he does do. <laughs> oh, good, good. I'm, I'm glad to see he, he's obviously been trained. Yes. No, he's got a natural interest. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, well, let's encourage him. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. And I feel that getting something that's not going to die on him a good way to go, too. Oh, camellias is a great start. Yeah, camellias yeah. are a good start, yeah. and he shouldn't have any problems with the creeper either because it's a very tough plant, uh, and it's just a matter of managing if it starts growing over something you don't want it on. But that's the same with any creeper. Creepers are like puppies. Mm. They're not just for Christmas. You've got to work on them the whole time. Oh, I know. Yeah. You so, mean... Yeah, so, yeah, well, you know, it's a commitment. <laughs> you... you commit yourself to growing them and they and they should look lovely but you 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 know if you just let them rip they'll always grow in the wrong direction or they'll get too big so you've got to deal oh. with them <clears throat> the trouble we've had with jasmine here it was here when we moved into the house yeah um oh look it it takes right over it's a nightmare yeah yeah all of those plants become a real issue if they're not managed from virtually oh, the go yeah. Yeah. yeah all right well i hope that helps sharon thank you thank you very much that's a pleasure All right. Well, there's no calls coming at the moment. We might just uh, mention the phone number. So if you want to talk to Penny Woodward or to Jane Tonkin or to myself, Stephen Ryan, please ring us on 94190155. Or you could send us in a text message on 0488809855. Have we we got a text message then? Uh, Have we got a text message? Oh, yes, we have. Um, So... Solstice rang. She visited mud brick herbs that Penny recommended. She said it's fantastic. It's like a lolly shop for plant lovers. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I like that. Yes. Um, any nursery that has that range of interesting and different mm-hmm. plants in it does get the blood circulating and excitement <laughs> happening when you go into these places. So I can well imagine it would be. So, But it, it's also online So yeah. because it's in Queensland, yeah. you know, we yeah. can't. Well, get we can, there but easily we, to visit, but, um, <laughs> but it can, would be you something can certainly to keep order online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there years ago. Yeah. I visited, and it is fantastic. Yeah. It's a terrific. Place. All right, so it's possibly something to put on our wish list. Yeah. Trip to Queensland to visit that particular place. Thanks, Solstice, for letting yeah. us know. Yeah. I'm glad it's still looking really good. Yeah. Well, you know, 
nurseries come and go a mm, bit sometimes. They do. Uh, they do. You know, it, it, it's something that's great this week, it's like a good restaurant. You mm. know, it can be great this week, but then things can change in another direction if there's not yeah. the same sort of uh, interest in it later. Penny, whilst we're waiting for some more calls, you must okay. have some more herbs you'd like to I talk ha- about. Well, yes, herbs and other things. But um, I brought in a couple of thymes, mm-hmm. as in, and I love thyme. I, I just think it's a terrific plant around mm. the garden. It's a really good um, companion plant to spread amongst your veggies because it doesn't get too big and yeah. compete too much. At the same time, when it's in flower, it's attracting masses of beneficial insects. So any of them are fantastic. Um, there's... Close to a thousand different cultivars and, and As time goes species by. of thyme. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed, and all the other jokes about time. Yeah, yeah. Um, time on your hands. hands. <laughs> but um, there's a few that I particularly like, and I, I mentioned the silver posy time yeah. before. I'm not. I'm a bit like you. I don't like yellow leaf plants that should be green, and I mm. don't like variegated plants, but I do like the silver posy. It's yeah. a very pretty, delicate Well, the leaves plant. are so small, the variegation a, isn't actually it's not, that It's not really obvious. obvious. No. no, I agree. Um, but it has a terrific flavour as well. Mm. So it's a, the flavour is very similar to the common thyme, which is the main medicinal and culinary mm-hmm. thyme. Um, so it's beautiful, easy to grow. But the other one um, that I really like and haven't been growing for that long is this one, which is um, Thymus capitatus, which is it's also known as conehead thyme because the flowers it, it actually grows to half a meter. It's oh, quite so a it's tall quite growing thyme. Um, makes a terrific low border if you mm. want a, a low border around a veggie bed or a, a path or something like that. Um, but it, it's got it's called conehead because the flowers are always right on the end uh, of the yeah. little branches and they create this bright pink cone at the mm. top. So it's beautiful. But I particularly like the scent and flavour. So some of these times in Oregano are sold as ornamental Yeah. Um, when that they're actually completely can, yeah. edible. So, uh, you know, an ornamental one doesn't mean it's not edible. It just means that it's grown more for its ornamental qualities now, it's than a, its, it's flavour. It's got an interesting flavour. It's not like a normal – it's got a real no, tang to it. It has. A bit more pepper. Yeah, mm. and that's one of the things that I love about it. So mm-hmm. – um, if it has a good flavour, you can use it in your cooking. Yeah. I mean, this is thyme I'm talking about. Don't you know? We don't do that with every plant. <laughs> no. But anything in the thymus group, yeah. um, in general, is is okay to eat if it has good flavour. So, the grey leafed ground cover thyme yeah. has no flavour. Oh, so it's it's gorgeous to grow mm. because it fills in between paving stones yeah. and all that sort of thing. That, yeah. So it's lovely, but you wouldn't buy it for eating. But this is one that is sold as an ornamental, yeah. but it has, I think, a really lovely flavour. So well, it's certainly got a just, different textural quality yeah. to your classical times. Mm. And, yes, mm. it's got a real sort of tang to it, mm. as you say, a slightly peppery mm. taste On to the it. tip of your tongue mm. nice. yeah. when you yeah. eat it. I think it's lovely. Yeah. All so right. All right. So that was, again, Timus. Timus capitatus. Capitatus, or yes. Or conehead which, which means which... ball at the top. Yeah. Um, all right, we've got a call that's come in. We might... Uh, we might bring this call in. Lou from Malvern. Are you there, Lou? Hello. Good morning. Um, good morning. Look, I've had great success with, um, you know, how gardeners like to be inventive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be and recycle and use anything. Um, I had a tiny bougainvillea plant um, and I wanted a quick result. I wanted it high up in the sun yeah. and to sh- uh, screen out. So I used from that well-known place where you buy plumbing stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, 
lovely big pipe, about a metre high, plastic PVC, painted it with some uh, textured paint so it looked like terracotta. Um, and the bougainvillea in two years is now covering the garage roof. Fantastic. It's a really great way because the drainage is great um, and the, it's protected. It's got nice cool roots and it's dark. You have to top up the pipe every so often. But <laughs> for people with a narrow sideway, um, I've got mandevillas too growing in the same context because there's not much room. But yeah. it gives you height straight away. And uh, the plants love it because it, it's all that uh, gravity and drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's plastic, but that's not bad either. But it's direct to the earth. So I put um, some rocks at the bottom of the pipe directly onto the earth and then fill it up with uh, potting mix and put the plant in. And it, they just go berserk. No, so so using it like a bottomless pot. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I was trying to get my head around actually how you were dealing with this. But yes, it brings it up. up in the air yeah. and then it's going across the top of her. Was it carport or garage or something? Yes, garage, yep. side mm. fences, um, it, they just love it. Yeah, love just it. perfect. Interesting concept. Well, thank yes. you for your input, Lou. That was... Yes, well, thank you. Yeah, that's a pleasure. I hope you enjoy our program. We, we sort of enjoy getting up really early in the morning to <laughs> give do. it to everybody. All right, well, thanks oh, for calling thank in. Thank you. All thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oops, there we go. All right, now, we can go back. I think, yes, we've got no other calls coming in at the moment, but don't hesitate to ring us. We've got uh, well over a quarter of an hour to go yet, so please do ring us in and, and have a chat to us. Penny, you've got some more herbs of um, note. This one is French tarragon. I was going to say tarragon. So it's, um, don't buy Russian tarragon. It's not worth growing. So if you've what got, if you can't grow French tarragon? <gasps> what? The smell. It is just, it's just not Russian tarragon doesn't have the flavour. Yeah. So... I love how you bring me breakfast, Penny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so French tarragon is a true herbaceous perennial. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I want to talk about it today is mine's been really prolific. I've actually grown this in, in a grow bag this oh, time right. mm-hmm. um, because I tend to lose them in the garden. When mm. my garden gets overgrown, they die back completely in winter and you forget where they were. And they disappear. And, and they disappear. Mm-hmm. So, and they're quite late coming back in spring too. So you have a tendency to sort of, think oh I've got a gap there I'll plant in it <laughs> so you need to put a sign in saying there's tarragon here yeah, um, but French tarragon is just superb but the way that you tell whether you've got a French or a Russian mm. tarragon in a pot because sometimes they're just labelled tarragon is you get a leaf and you put it in your mouth and you mm. chew on the leaf and the tip of your tongue should go numb yep so that's French tarragon yep that's what yeah. <laughs> and the aniseed mm. flavour is fabulous aniseed flavour yeah. but yeah, so the Russian tarragon has a little bit of the aniseed flavour, but not the intensity mm. as the French tarragon. And yes, the tug's got up now. So, and I'd use it in all sorts of things. Baking mm. mushrooms, oh, I yeah. cut up French tarragon and put it in the centre of the mushroom cup, which is just gorgeous. Obviously, salad dressings. Mm. Every salad I make in the summer, when it's profuse, it has a handful of French tarragon in it. So my Tongue's just tip of my tongue's just going numb now after having chewed it a minute ago. It takes a little bit of time. Now, um, t- now time for the red one. Yeah. But, but the thing is that um, it doesn't dry well, so it no, doesn't okay. hold its flavour well if you. So if it's you best dry. as a, a it, fresh. It really herb. is better. It's can one you, of the. Could you freeze it or can you do? Yeah, other you things can with look. It? You can freeze it in ice blocks or do something mm. like that. I I don't bother. I eat seasonally. 
Yeah. Um, so when it's available, I pig out on it, and when it's mm-hmm. not there, I eat something else. Yeah. You know. Um, but and yeah, then you're you looking forward make, to it when it comes yeah, around. But you again. can make, for instance, tarragon vinegar. Yeah. Which means you can still have it in your salad dressing because you can eat. Mm. You know, infuse olive oil and things. With yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So you can do those sort of things, but um, otherwise, for eating fresh, I just wait till it comes back up again and, and start eating it again. Fantastic! It's a really nice plant, so I, everyone should have a go at growing it. And uh, aspect-wise, if we're going to grow it in a pot um, somewhere, do we look, give it lots of sun? No, or? a lot of books will tell you to put it in full sun. Mm. It, it doesn't cope with full Australian sun. You need something. You need a spot where it's shaded from the afternoon sun. All right. Mm-hmm. So it morning, just morning sun. No, it just doesn't thrive. Okay. It, you know, too if the sun's too intense, it just doesn't do well. Mm. So okay. um, shaded in the afternoon. Right. Um, so and, and a reasonably composty soil. So it likes a richish soil, not yeah. not too yeah. too mean and no, thin. Particularly, so. you'll see them. Um, you may be able to buy them during winter as a dormant plant, mm. um, and it's fine to plant them. But I mean, I've. As I've said, I now grow mine in a in a grow bag, and it's mm. been really successful over several years. So, I, and I just top up the mix at the end of the you know when it all dies back, cut the whole thing back, and yeah. you know push it to a back corner, and and then it when once it starts coming up again, I move it back out into the sun. So, um, yeah, it doesn't need a lot of attention; it just likes the right spot. So not too wet, but not too dry either. Yeah. So somewhere in the somewhere middle. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yes. So the grow bag's a great idea because then you can control the moisture exactly. level and things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and how much light it's getting. Mm. Yeah, because so. you can move it around. Yeah. So yeah. you could have it right out in the full sun early in the season and yeah. then move it move back, it back a bit in of shade as it when gets, the, when as the summer. It gets hotter. Yeah. 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 Oh, that sounds yeah. like yeah. a And a grow bag's about the right size. They do like a bit of root depth. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a good size. So just a little pot isn't going to do that. No, needs a, needs room to be able to get the roots out because it's a it's a spreading plant. It will mm. gradually cover a, a bigger area, right. like most herbaceous perennials. Fantastic. Nice. Um, all right, don't forget we've still got time to ring in. So it's nine four one nine zero one double five, and you can talk to Penny Woodward on anything herbal and fruity. Uh, you can talk to Jane Tonkin on anything bulby or perennially, and you can talk to me about anything you really want, want to. to. I suppose <laughs> yes. Um, Jane, you must have things in your basket still we haven't discussed. I've got lots of things. Do we want to do something for sort of more full sun, maybe? Yes, for people, yeah, what, I've just yeah. concentrated on. Um... Yes. Okay, we're idea. going to talk about um, flame lily. So, Gloriosa. So, national flower of um, Zimbabwe, so southern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it eats a full sun, summer flowering. Um, Somewhat of a climber. So mm. it has these beautiful little curly tendrils at the end of its leaves that need something to hang on to or it flops over. So nice full sun position. Uh, some people have grown it up through their roses uh, so it can cling on to the roses. Oh, and, yes. So something twiggy it can grow up. Through. Yeah, and the roses are getting the same amount of moisture during mm. their time. So it needs um, water once a week during its its growth and it's naturally winter dormant. But common name flame lily, so even if you Google flame lily, you'll see how impressive this red and yellow um, bloom is. So you wouldn't grow it up through your pink roses necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, but... Uh... Perhaps not, but um, anyway... Uh, or let, let's put it in a large pot with a little bit of a trellis for it to climb on. They maybe, look actually quite. Then, you could get one of those tomato yeah, tripod body mm, things, frame that things yeah. that yes, yeah. it can climb on. It's just something 
different in your garden that's a bit of a talking point and take a flower down to your garden club. Um, so that's Gloriosa that you're looking for or Flame Lilies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you need to keep them dryish in the winter? Or? You do. Winter winter dormant, so they, they like to be kept dry. Most of the time, um, if you're growing it in a pot, move the pot somewhere cool and dry mm. or lift it and you put them in your garden shed or in the laundry or somewhere. So can they be dry dry? Yes, Mm-hmm. Yeah, can be so, dry, dry. Yeah, uh, and then they start to sort of move about the end of September onwards. So um, very quick growing. Snails and slugs can be a bit of an issue, mm-hmm. um, just as the tips are coming through. And anyone that has a late frost, and I'm talking sort of mid October, end of October. Oh, late sounds frost, like me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need to perhaps just go and put a pot over the emerging uh, oh, yeah. shoot so that it just doesn't burn in the frost. Otherwise. Um, a beautiful and easy grown thing. Mm. And they're very exotic, mm. elegant flowers, the yep. Gloriosas, aren't they? They're yes. really lovely things. Something different. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, they'll always create comment when they're in flower. People exactly. will always ask about them. So those um, sort of things are available in their dormancy um, over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Now, that does raise a point. If people want to buy bulbs, perennials, slash whatever from Tonkin's Bulbs, how, do, how does one get in touch with you, Jane? Um, well, I have a website. I'm, Good. you know, all modern now. Yeah. Um, www.tonkins, T-O-N-K-I-N-S, bulbs.com.au. And the winter list should be up in the next two weeks. So all it's right. just Good. a case of um, finalising some things. And I'm not particularly good with a computer, so. Um, but it will be up, and if anyone wants to send me an email at sales at tonkinsbulbs.com.au, just um, requesting that I let them know when the winter list is up and live, mm. because sometimes there's a few things on there that are in short supply. Yeah, minuscule amounts. Minuscule amounts. Like there, there may well be some new aracemas making the list this Ooh. year. So, um, yeah, so sometimes you have to be in quick, um, but I just like to make sure that I'm spreading the love around a yeah. little bit as well. So that's sales at tonkinsbulbs.com.au. Just send me an email saying, Jane, can you let me know when the winter list is up right. and we will send you an email. Fantastic. So, Jane, when you're talking winter list, this is for planting in winter. When do they mostly flower? So we're talking um, late spring through the summer. Summer. Um, yep. With most of the stuff, so it's all our winter dormant things. So most of our catalogue usually runs to about the middle of August because everything needs to be back in the ground. Yep. Like you should have had your daffodils and tulips in a month ago, kind of thing. Yep. Um, in in opposed to sort of that summer catalogue that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a short window of time that you can order these yep. sort of things, <laughs> and so it should be. Uh, we've had a text message come in, uh, a book recommendation from Susie and Emma, who's out there answering <laughs> the phones for us. The Well-Gardened Mind, uh, A Restorative Power of Nature by uh, Sue Stewart-Smith, A History of Therapeutic Horticulture. And apparently it's wonderful. So there's a, a yeah. book that... Oh, it's being held up. <laughs> we can see it through the window, sort of. Yeah. Um, so um, that could be a book well worthwhile having. There's some at. terrific con- contem- contemplative books that are coming Oh, I like that word, contemplative. contemplative yeah, I must, that, I must um, use that. <laughs> the, because I think people have been... Contemplating things. Yes, yeah. and and, they're and not writing. just their navels. We, we've apparently. had time to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, this looks terrific, and I have I have actually heard about this one. So, um, but haven't read it. 
Uh, so it looks, well, there's some things for great. us all to consider. Yeah. Uh, not not many pictures, so it's all words, oh, oh. unlike a lot of gardening books, which rely on the pictures. Yeah, well, <laughs> I have to a... say I like a good read, and yes. I don't care whether it's a, a mystery novel or a gardening book. Um, I don't necessarily want to just have a whole pile of pictures in front of me. I mean, I can Google those. Uh, I like to... Get my teeth hold into, a book. Yeah, hold a book and get yeah. my teeth into yeah. something, mm. you know, a storyline mm. or a concept or something that I can really enjoy. So yeah. uh, I do like a good read. So Indeed. there we go. Um, all right, Jane, we're, we're still waiting for some more calls to come through and we've still got time. We've got 10 minutes to go. So 94190155. Have we okay. got something else we yes, can we talk do. about? Um, so I love plants from South America. There's some great things there. I want to talk to you about um, some really drought-tolerant sun lovers. Mm-hmm. So they're so very easy in our Melbourne gardens, and that's the Hymenocallus. So ah, yes. um, spider lilies, common name, and so is everything else. So yeah, well, let's go with Hymenocallus, <laughs> and um, often referred to as the sacred lily of the Incas. Yeah. Um, so the one that I've got with me today is um, some bulbs of Harisiana. Mm. I've bought this one in because it's the easiest, right. most reliant on flowering every year. Um, has about 12 inches long um, glaucous green foliage, which is very attractive mm-hmm. uh, over the summer as well. And then these white spidery flowers that um, just keep flowering and flowering all perfume. the way through it. And, it. and it has this beautiful perfume yes. as well. And so that's it, something I always remember when I think about that particular yep. genus is the lovely scents. And they're, and they're really easy. Basically, plant them like a daffodil um, and just put in and forget. Bit of top dress occasionally, but oh, otherwise... There's no challenge then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the challenge, well, Jane? In, peenies. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, well, exactly. Actually, before we go any further... We've got a call come in, so we might as well take this because it's apropos of something you were talking about a minute ago. Um, John, are you there, John? Yes, yes, good morning. Good morning. Now, you wanted to talk to Jane about Gloriosa lilies, did you not? Yes, I just want to know, the following year when you when you try and, and start shooting the, v, the V-tuber, uh, I read that you have to split them into two. Is that all right? Is that, is that right? Look, um... Thank you for ringing. Um, a lot of companies that sell them actually split that tuber and you'll only get one piece. So it's split right in the middle of that V that you're talking about. Uh, I don't. Yes, you can to then produce more plants. Uh, however, you leave yourself open to funguses and um, rots and things. So I would tend to just be patient and plant the V. Uh, you may well have found that it's made a little marble-sized um, additional baby, and they yeah. really only take about three years up to flowering size from that too. So it doesn't take too long. If by chance that you've actually split the V when you've dug it, you need to dip it in um, a fungicide or any of the organic um, sort of solutions that will then seal the end so that then you're not getting rot going into your tuber. So you're not recommending that John actually I, I don't, break them up? I don't think so. No, I look, it happens when I dig them that they just, but, but I don't intentionally split them. I think they're not meant to be. All right. And I've got another question uh, regarding the Dicentra spectabilis. Uh, mine is a pink one and it does self-seeded as a white uh, 
Is that okay? Is that okay? That's, that's okay. very okay. <laughs> but it's not actually that common, is it? No, um, I I have a lot of trouble setting seed on my pink. Mm. Valentine, the red one I was talking about, sets seed quite prolifically. Yeah. Um, and if it's sported to white, well, I I think that's fabulous. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm. But it is possible. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 All right, then. Thank you very much. No, no worries. Thank a, you. It's a pleasure, Bye-bye. John. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. All right. I've forgotten where we were up to. Penny. Penny, you were going to say something about something? Um, no, You're but scared. I'm happy Penny to hear that. Oh, sorry, Penny, I was you trying to out. track something She's down, reading. but yeah. it made me think of something else. No, look, the other thing that I'm harvesting at the moment are these perennial chilies. Ah, yes. So these are these are meaty chilies. So mm. this is capsicum pubescence. And my bush, which has always been about a metre by a metre at the moment, is about two metres <laughs> by three metres. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. <laughs> And it's completely covered. Now, are those the ones that have the black seeds inside? Um, No, the ricotto have the black seeds. Ah, These these ones. Because Virginia gave me some seeds uh, of one of the perennial. These are these are white seeds. So Ah. this is a perennial too. Mm -hmm. Um, The ricotto tend to be a bit longer and Mm -hmm. skinnier, and these are always this shape, and they're just amazing. And so, when you talk chilies, though, are they hot, hot, hot? They're hot. Yeah, so they're a fairly hot one. Yeah, and it's about the size of a golf ball. For yeah, yeah, it looks like so, a little tomato, really. Yeah, so when I make um, tomato sauce, I put half a one of oh, these in. That's that. And because I'm not, I'm, I love chili, but nobody else in my family does. So you can just taste uh, the chili mm-hmm. if you put a half chili in into a biggish pot of, mm. of um, sauce. But I have other people who love chilies and eat really hot ones who say that these are not super hot. So, you know, it depends on who you are. For me, they'd be super hot, I warn you. Um, <laughs> you first. <laughs> so, but they're also beautiful in the garden. They we're look talking, great. We're talking about beautiful flowers and all that sort of thing. But even just sitting on the bush, they look fabulous because you have these bright splashes of colour in the garden. And I just, because I can't eat a lot of them, I just pile them up and put them out the front and people... Can I take one home? With, yeah, absolutely. People um, take them all. People have... Um, have. No, I've got a friend, her husband, if you're out there, Kel, I'm bringing home Tim a treat. Yes. Oh, <laughs> So right. one of them, the really ripe one is just going slightly rotten on one yep, side. That's but fine. it's still yep. completely edible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a really nice chilli and they're worth having. Again, in your frosty... Yes. Climate, you will probably need to put it into a microclimate somewhere mm. because a heavy frost will kill them. But they will tolerate a little bit of frost. Yeah, so it'll just burn the tips of them perhaps probably. a little bit. Um, it would depend how established it is. Yeah. But they grow easily from I have seed. plastic houses. Yes, yes. Well, you can. Yeah. You can, yeah. yes. Yes, I've only got one plastic house and it's up at the nursery and I don't want to fill it up with chilies. But, <laughs> no. Um, but, um, yeah, they are beautiful to look at. Uh, if one wanted to get them, though, do we know where we can source them? Um, look, anyone, any company that sells a decent range of chilies mm. um, should. I think you know, Clive Larkman, I think, sells them through wholesalers. Oh, yes, yes. So he'd so have them he in his romantic really, yeah, group of herbs yeah, or whatever so they call he, them, yeah. But he's a wholesaler. So, yeah. But if you go on to the um, Renaissance Herbs mm-hmm. site, um, you do a bit of a search, you'll, you'll find his mm. chilies. He has a huge range yes, of chilies. Yes, he does. So, Actually, he has his chili festival every year too, which well, is possibly yeah, it worth it. it hasn't happened. I didn't, don't think it happened this year. Didn't happen um, this year, but I think he's planning right, to next, next year because he did have yeah. his rare plant fair up at Wandon yes. um, this autumn, yeah. and that went splendidly well yep. for a first-off event. Yeah. Um, so he's certainly talking Chili Festival again. Right. So good that to should have, be going. It'll be good to have that back oh, next yes, year. I think so. It's yeah. a great site for it too. It's a yeah, really good spot. It is. Yeah. It is. So, all right. So the Chili's name was again? 
Yeah, well, it's capsicum pubescence, capsicum which pubescence. is. Uh, but you see, the Rokoto one is also capsicum pubescence. Ah, oh, so they're just forms of the same species. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but you, it, this is a very definitely different to mm. the Rokoto. So, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. All right. Um, Jane, we've got four or five minutes to go. Um, so have we got something or have we used up your whole... No, 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 I have, I have something else, but it's for the cool climate and, it, and it's actually an orchid. Ah, and it's one that we can grow outside. It oh. doesn't need a hothouse or anything. Not all orchids now, do, do they? These little gems are called pleonies. Ah, yes, they're oh, charming. Okay. And there is not enough pleonies grown, um, I feel. Anyway, so I'm introducing you the world to pleony orchids. And they are from the cool climate regions of China and Taiwan and Korea. Um, and they come from a pseudo bulb, which yeah. means that everything gets put into making that flower uh, leaf and a new bulb for next year. Uh, so they, they like to be fairly shallow, so a third of the bulb out of the ground. It doesn't need um, your normal orchid mix. They they need that rich, leaf mouldy humus, well-drained. Mm-hmm. So leaf mould. Good quality compost and some gravel. Yeah, and it um, and they thrive, but they're hungry little things too. Oh, so you got to so feed them. Got to well. feed them a lot. I seem to love things that you got to feed a lot, which is probably it's your nurturing spirit. Well, it is. <laughs> I, I do like to feed my family too. Um, anyway, but these little orchids only get to about six inches high or yeah. fifteen centimeters. Um, but the size of the flower. Is bigger than my palm. Oh yeah, they so, can get huge flowers. Huge flowers, and they resemble a bit of the Cattleya orchids in flower shape to a degree. Mm. If that gives people an idea, but mostly come in shades of pink, and the labellums are generally spotted or yellow or red or something. Oh, yes. But there is some amazing yellows and sort of apricot hue ones out there now. But the most commonly grown um, is Pleonophora sana. Yeah. But one of the easiest is one of the hybrids, which is Tongariro. Oh, right. So if you can get hold of one of those, and the why I say the easiest is that it's more prolific. It um, produces sort of two or three offsets ah. to flower the next year. And a whole pot full of it just is impressive because it's this hot um, ruby pink colour. It almost Fantastic. glows. So, oh, pleony so, orchids, everybody. So nice pot in a shady nice spot. Nice pot in a shady yeah. spot, just kept nice and moist um, through its summer oh, growing good. and flowering and a little bit drier over the winter and you will be rewarded. Fantastic. All right. Well, we've only got a minute to go, so we might start by saying goodbye to yep. everybody. Um, so, Jane, thank you so much for coming all the thank way down from me. Calorama. And Penny Woodward, all the way up from the peninsula. <laughs> thank you both for being here. Thank you Pleasure. for our great little helpers out in the other room, bringing in all the calls and all that sort of thing. That was fantastic. Thank you, ladies. Um, and uh, The Gardening Show will be back on air next week. So do... Um, Listening in from 7.30 to 9.15 next week. So thank you all. Thank you, Stephen. Bye.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.